Hello everybody and welcome back to Eyes on the Mize. A day late, but not a dollar short. This is episode 66. I'm John. That's Ian. Hi, I'm back. Yeah. What's the title? Uh, the title is uh, Kites, Durgans, Wampires, and Wizrobes. Frankly, I'm in the Dagron camp, but that's just me. <laughs> that is fair. It is of, it is a personal preference. Uh, in other words, uh, we're talking about all about the Commander 2017 decks because um, we actually postponed recording till today. Not only because um, we were slow, slow rolling yesterday, but also so that we could talk about all four decks because we know all the new cards that are coming out, and we know what the themes are, and that's going to be cool. Yes, basically, we are like, well. We could do it today and miss out on the wizards, or we could just wait a day, and I'm happy we did because, my God, <laughs> oh man, <Wizards>. today, <laughs> yeah, everyone is basically calling it as they have another Mind Seize 2.0 or Breathe Lethality 2.0 on their hands with this. Yeah, yeah. We'll get to that real fast, but first, we'll turn our eyes to the community because this past weekend was Grand Prix Minneapolis, which was standard, which was won by Mono Black Zombies. At the hands of Steve and Locke, who went undefeated. He had two intentional draws. Those are only his, they're his only non-wins. And no buys. And no buys, too. Yeah, that's the impressive part. The, the, like, the, the no-buy GP win. All the way from from the bottom. Started at the bottom. Yeah. Like, I have one GP buy right now, and that felt nice. Yeah. But... We did see some fun decks. There's a lot of mono-black zombies running around, because it's apparently matched up really good against the red deck. Yeah, Mono Red can't beat it when they land two Lords of the Accursed. Mm-mm. It's hard to do. Uh, but Black Green Constrictor was a thing. The the, the brothers Nelson Baumeister made it there. So Brad Nelson and Corey Baumeister both made it with Constrictor lists. Mm-hmm. There was some Ramanop Red lists. Mardu Vehicles is back because, you know, it never went away. But I guess it, it's back. There was a black and control decks. There was a Black Red mid-range list that looks super sick. Mm-hmm. Um, was it playing Goblin Dark Dweller? Oh, yeah. Triple... Triple GDD. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good card. Gifted Aetherborn, Cletus, Glorybringer, GDD, Scorpion God. Yep, all those cards seem good. Yeah, Liliana, 3-drop, and Shonda Torch of Defiance, along with your various suite of removal. Also, there was some interesting mono decks that kind of came around. There was a mono White Eldrazi list, mm-hmm. uh, which everyone's like, wait a minute, this isn't vintage. <laughs> <laughs> because literally a lot of the creatures being played are stuff you would have seen in the old mono white Eldrazi vintage lists, like Walking Ballista, Mad Reshaper, Thought Not Seer, had some, uh, funnily enough, no Reality Smasher. Hmm, that's interesting. Yeah, but they did have some Sky Sovereigns and, uh, oh, Sky Sovereign kicked butt on camera today. Uh, it really over, did. But it's still cheap. Uh, also, the deck that I'm most interested in is this mono black Eldrazi vampire list that Chris Botello who you might recognize the name as the guy who did Cat Pact from Grand Prix uh, Portland last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, this list looked ridiculously cool. Uh, the cyborg needs some work, I think. But, well, I the mean, cyborg was for a field that he didn't... Maybe not a field that he expected. No. Or the field well, that he expected, but not the field that he got. Yeah, no. The, I... <laughs> I f- it's an okay sideboard, but like I feel like there's a lot of tweaks that can be made to it. Yeah. Like one of uh, your buddy Vinny mentioned, mm-hmm. uh, what was that one? Dream Stealer. Yeah, Dream Stealer and uh, Hour of Glory. Yep. Because I know we haven't seen a whole lot of them, but Ronus is still around and Hazard is a thing. So. Yep. 
Plus, yeah, all these things are true. Plus, it gets rid of the Scorpion God in that cool black-red mid-range list. And there is a reanimator list out there that's playing Scorpion God. So it gets rid of them, too. Yeah. Because those are hard to kill. Yeah, it turns out that the new gods are incredibly annoying to get rid of. Mm-hmm. Also, mm-hmm. of note, white-blue approach control. Yep. Blue-white control still good. Apparently, it was like 10th or 11th or something like that. Like, just missed out. And there was a... Uh, Blue red control, Tamahara side two, eleventh place. So mm-hmm. blue red still hanging out, just not a lot of players on it, I guess. But the big news out of the weekend was that for the first time ever in the commentary booth, we had two women commentating on matches. We had Maria Bartholdi as the play-by-play and Melissa Datora, the first woman to ever top eight a pro tour as the color commentator. Yeah, and and it passed the Bechtel test. <laughs> so for I'd... those who don't know what the Bechtel test is, it's basically <laughs> something that you can use to apply to work of fiction or other thing where at least two women are talking to each other about something other than a man. And in this case, they were talking about, like one, one of the prime examples was they were talking about Liliana relaxing at home in her sweatpants watching Netflix. <laughs> it, it was weird. You kind of had to be there to get the context, but it passed the Bechtel test, which is amazing. For what it's worth, I don't normally associate the Bechtel test to uh, what is effectively a sports broadcast. However, I am glad that that is the case. I mean, it's a thing. <laughs> it exists. Also, um, Hallie Santo of Card Kingdom and uh, Mock Sporting House was doing text coverage for that round. So all three of the main face people who are working the coverage were women, which is awesome. Yeah, it's, it's about time. It is about damn time. Plus, they're all very nice. They are all very nice. I have players. met and hung out with all of them, and they are excellent people. All right, sick so, brags, <laughs> sick humble brags, yo. All right. right, let's move on to the Commander 2017 previews, and there are I think it was 56, 58 new cards. We're not going to talk about all of them because we could, but we're going to try not to. And um, during one of the articles that was published this week, they mentioned how that there's a team inside Wizards called the the uh, what was it? Product architecture, which is one of the f- weirdest combinations of words I've ever seen, that basically said we need to stop doing five decks and do four decks instead. So this time we're getting green white cats, five color dragons, Mardu vampires, and Grixis wizards. Yeah, did they actually say like why they went to four instead of five? I guess just they couldn't jam. Um, well, one of the things they said was I think it was in Gavin's article where they were kind of running out of fives to do because they've already done most of the color pairs because they'd done you know. Monocolor, they've done enemy color, they've done wedges, they've done shards, and then they, then they did four color. Um, like, they could have done ally color, but there's enough ally legends out there anyways. Yeah. So, there's jumping, they're toning it down from five to four, which is nice. It's fine. Um, also, one of the other reasons they said is because uh, the in inside R&D, their ideal commander group is four decks, or four people. Yeah, so, true, with so. four decks, you can take, you know... You, Lindsay, myself, and, you know, Vinny, and we could sit down and play a four-player pod with one of each of these decks and be fine. And that way they can just balance across, like, a table of four as opposed to balancing across five decks, too. Yeah. Also, another thing that... The balancing might be a little off on this one. We'll see. Well, also, Gavin did mention that they didn't cut down the number of new cards being added in the set, so each deck gets more new stuff. Okay, so that's kind of cool. Which is cool. So we'll put, just because we'll put, there's one less we'll put, deck doesn't mean there's fewer cards. Yeah, we'll put the link to that article on, down below. Yep. Um, so let's start off with uh, one of you, with your favorite card from day one and one of my favorite cards from day one, too, 
which is one of the new commanders, Miri Weatherlight Duelist. Okay, so we got a new Miri. This is the third one. We had Miri Cat Warrior, the original one back in Exodus. Then we had Miri the Cursed in Time Spiral? No, Plane Yes, Planar Chaos. It would Time Spiral. Planar Chaos. Oh, no, but yeah. no, yeah, it was Planar Chaos. Yeah, Planar, yeah. Planar Chaos. But now we have Miri Weatherlight Duelist. She is one green and a white for a 3-2 first strike legendary cat warrior she has whenever miri weatherlight duelist attacks each opponent can't block with more than one creature this combat as long as miri weatherlight duelist is tapped no more than one creature can attack you each combat so it's either a silent arbiter which is probably the most recent card that people will know or the actual callback to invasion i believe is dueling grounds which is a green white enchantment that basically does that same thing yeah, but this time it's a single, like, Dueling Grounds was very much, it was a, world, like, kind of a dual-sided. Um, it was symmetric. Symmetrical, right, symmetrical. This one's asymmetrical. So that one was, no more than one creature may attack each turn, no more than one creature may block each turn. However, Miri turns it on so that you get the benefit of it. It's meaning your opponent can't block with except for one creature, and they can't attack except for one creature. So you can just have a whole bunch of craziness going on and just be like, I swing with a crap crap ton of tokens you can only block with one creature ha hope you have one of those that says can block multiple creatures (laughs) yeah miri uh definitely plays hell with a lot of combat math especially in like go wide like i want to play miri in a deck with a bunch of token makers so that i go attack with miri and everything else what of these things do you want to block yeah and it also helps get around people who sit behind kind of fortresses of tokens yep it's like, I have 50 tokens. You can't attack me. It's like, well, actually, only one of those tokens can block right now. So, yeah. And only one of them can attack me. Nice try. It's also really funny that Miri is terrible when she gets granted vigilance. So, <laughs> yeah, don't, don't give, give her vigilance. Yeah, don't give Miri vigilance. <laughs> so, John, this was your next one is your favorite card from day, t- uh, day one, which is. Yes. Balan Wandering Knight. I've been saying it Balan, but Balin, I don't know exactly. Balan like, Balan. B A L A N is a, is a strange name but that's not the point i would assume Uh, maybe depending on what plane he's from that would help with the pronunciation like if it there's there's rocks in his art and it could be celtic i'm not sure uh but he's two white white for a three three uh legendary cat knight cat knight ladies and gentlemen uh with first strike and balin has double strike as long as two or more equipment are attached to it so you know he wants to be suited up with you know swords and whatnot and if he's dual wielding then he gets double strike it's awesome and then he has one in a white. Attach all equipment you control to Balin. So just this ability is silly. <laughs> just dump every all your equipment on the battlefield, and then just go one in a white. Attach it all. Yeah, it's I a way hear, to get around I, stuff like pure steel pallet, or to get to attach other things without like stuff like pure, pure steel paladin, which makes things equip zero. So Balin is like the sneakiest one shot robot I've ever seen. I hear uh, equipping batter skull and uh, what's it, the the one armor that's like six six. Oh, the um, Argentum armor. That's it, yeah. That, equipping that for two mana in one shot, pretty broken. So then he would, okay, so he would go 3-3, three, three, plus 4-7, plus, he'd be a 13-13 double strike vigilance lifelink that when he attacks, he destroys a permanent. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> yeah, buddy. Yeah, Balin's sweet. <laughs> um, that's basically all that I wanted to do with that. I do like, though, the cat, he definitely helped, along with one of the other ones we'll talk about in a sec, I think. Uh, definitely leans towards a green white cat equipment deck which is weird but kind of I mean, there's, cool. there's been a plenty of cats that cared about equipment thanks to mirrodin with stuff like kemba 
um, who makes two two cats for every equipment equipped to her. And um, but this this shoves this it into the green though, which is good because there's the one that from yeah 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 the one that uh, I, I did not put that one on the list. Um, uh, what's his uh, name again? Nazan Revered Bladesmith. Yeah, originally uh, he's from, basically origi- a Godo. Yeah, originally for equipment. Originally from Naya, transplanted to Bant. Yeah, according to the official story behind the guy. Excellent. Anyway, next one. So this card uh, caused a little bit of a stir because this card's really good. Uh, it's Alms Collector. Ian, what does Alms Collector do? Alms Collector is a three and a white, three four cat cleric with flash, and it says if an opponent also reads an opponent would draw two or more cards. Instead, you and that player each draw a card. The minute this was spoiled, everyone went, Judge! How does this work with Notion Thief? <laughs> yeah, it's dueling replacement effects. It's Don't worry about it. Yeah. Um, Notion, Notion Thief, by the way, is two blue and a black, three one human rogue with flash that says, if an opponent would draw a card except for the first one he or she draws in each of his or her draw steps, instead that player skips that draw and you draw a card. Yeah. Basically, in this case... It would be both players draw a card. Yeah. You can only apply each replacement effect once. And if you control both of them, then you control which order they go in. But You, you control the spice. Yes. Jeez. Uh, okay. Um, <laughs> Got there. Another question about Alms Collector is um, how does it work with Howling Mine? And the answer is it doesn't. Because <laughs> Howling Mine is just an additional draw. It does not say draw two cards on your draw step. Um, so you you are so Alms Collector specifically hoses things like Brainstorm, Jace the Mind Sculptor, Blue Sun Zenith, Stroke of Genius, stuff that says draw multiple cards. Yeah, if it gives at the you, same time, if it grants you an additional draw, it doesn't mess with that one. It's not like uh, it's not like Notion Thief. No, what, yeah, well that one too. But what's the uh, the Spirit of Labyrinth, the one that stops? Oh yeah, you where you can't you can only draw one card each turn. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, next card, moving right along. Fortunate Few with some awesome Jesper Els Jesper Esping art. And it's oh, kind yeah. of kind of really flavorful once you read the card and what it does. Yeah, it is three white white for a sorcery. Uh, by the way, we're not talking about the rarities on these mainly because you know the rarities don't matter. In most a sense. most of these are rare, but it's yeah. only because that's just kind of the power level of the card. Yeah, uh, choose a non-land permanent you don't control. Then each other player chooses a non-land permanent he or she doesn't control that hasn't been chosen this way. Destroy all other non-land permanents. With the excellent flavor text, is it over? And the best part, so the art is amazing because it has like some tiny little piker, a goat, um, I want to say a kobold, and like a beeble. I don't know. It's just, it's basically like the remnants of what you would pick. You'd pick all like the crappiest little things on your opponent's board and that's what's left and that's what's in the art. It's just insanely cool. This is also a great political card where you're like, hey, listen, you know. Ian's getting out of hand, so I'll let you keep your, you know, your whatever if you kill him next. Um, and yeah, it is definitely one of the uh, this one of the int- most interesting cards because it's also, it's also hyper political, and it's just yeah, it's really cool. Hyper political, but also very cool, well, well designed, I think too. Board yeah. wipe, yeah, kind of a, a different take on something like Cataclysm, where it's like you know everybody chooses one thing of theirs to keep, and instead it just gets rid of all of them. Oh, yeah, for sure. So I know you like this next one, John. Yeah, Hungry Lynx, which I, um, I'm i only a little biased because my college mascot is the Lynx. Um, it is one in a green for a 2-2 cat. Uh, cats you control have protection from rats. Okay. 
Uh, at the beginning of your end step, target opponent creates a 1-1 black rat creature token with death touch. Okay. And whenever a rat dies, put a plus a plus one counter on each cat you control. It's so good. The cats get it's, fed and they get bigger. <laughs> it is great. And it's also like, you know, cats bring you dead things. They go out and hunt and then they're like, hey, here's this bird that I found. And you're like, why'd you bring me a bird? I don't... Ugh. Also, the, um, cool part of, but, the cool part about that, too, is like you give your you give an opponent a black rat, mm-hmm. but all your creatures can't get hurt by it. Yep, it is great, especially yeah, especially in a tribal cat deck like this deck is. Um, kind of with it's hungry an, links it, being it's it's a nice little asymmetrical effect that can wreak havoc with your opponent's board. It's like each turn be like you get a rat, then you get a rat, then you get a rat. Mm-hmm. Now you guys but don't have give the guy touch. with doubling season the rat. Don't, oh. don't give that guy rats. Oh no, <laughs> please don't. Uh, so the next card we're going to talk about is the face commander for the cat deck. And all the face co- commanders have the ability word imminence, uh, which is basically the Aloro ability where if you're in the command zone or in play, you do a thing. Yeah, they originally uh, in, in design, they were calling it coach. <laughs> yeah, which is also a great name for it. Not quite magic-y, but great name. Oh, yeah. So for Arabo, Roar of the World, which I'm not sure where they're from. I they're, know, man. they're a three green white for a five five cat avatar. At the beginning of combat on your turn, if Arabo Roar of the World is in the command zone or on the battlefield, another target cat you control gets plus three plus three until end of turn. So every turn he's a giant growth. Yeah, and it's just like remember Oloro basically did the same thing whether it was on the battlefield or in the command zone, which yeah. they specifically mentioned that they wanted to try to do something like Oloro, but at the same time not as insanely non-interactive as Oloro's thing was, where it was mm-hmm. just... There's a reason why Oloro is, like, the third most popular commander to play, according, yeah, to, according to EDH Rec, uh, which compiles uh, commander decks from across the internet. Yeah. But Arabo also has a line of text that happens when he is in play. Whenever another cat you control attacks, you may pay one a green and a white. If you do... The cat you targeted gains trample and gets plus X plus X until end of turn where X is its power. So let's say that I have a sacred cat, which is from Amonkhet, you know, 1-1 one, one lifelink with Embalm. Uh, at the beginning of combat, it gets plus 3 plus 3, so it's a 3-3 three, three lifelink, or a 4-4 four, four lifelink. I attack with it. I then pay the 1, the green, and the white for a Rabu, and suddenly it is an 8-8 eight, eight trample lifelink. Seems good, man. Seems great. Hell of a one um, drop. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, cats are obviously very are trying to be very aggressive in this sense um, because Arabo's ability is very aggressive. Yeah, it, it's telling you you you're attacking. Go get in mm-hmm. there, get get in the red zone, buddy. Oh yes, go find me more rats to uh, to take home. Feed me. <laughs> yep. But no, I uh, I I definitely think the eminence uh, mechanic for him or it. The cat, uh, Arabo, is not stupidly overpowered because it's only one creature gets yeah. plus three, plus three, which means you can apply the plus three, plus three, and then your opponent can interact at instant speed, maybe bounce it or tap it or do something else to it. Yeah. Flash in something to make it stupid or whatever. Yeah, it's not like silly, but it's It's very well-costed, I think, in terms of what you yes. get. So that brings us to the end of Cat Day. And then we move on to International Cat Day, which is the day they previewed all the dragons. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't get that, man. 
Like, I just they, think that Wizards wasn't paying attention to things like that. Like, I don't think that's actually something that they would think about. I mean, they need to step their meme game up or their internet <laughs> game. Like, seriously, get some more, uh, get some more uh, tumblers back in the back in the flow in the the mix of things. Because, damn. Anyways, <laughs> anyways, it's all good. We have to we have to start and stop with the Ur Dragon. Ian, what does the Ur Dragon do? Well, we've seen scion of the ur dragon which is a popular five color uh dragon avatar so the which ur by dragon... the way it's being reprinted a word yeah sign of the ur dragon is being reprinted in the dragon deck nice because the ur dragon is for wooberg the whole the whole shebang wooberg white blue black red green so it's a nine cmc card it is a 10 10 legendary creature dragon avatar with eminence and flying uh it's eminence is as long as the Ur Dragon is in the command zone or on the battlefield, other dragon spells you cast cost one less to cast. Now, Ian, why might this be relevant? Because it's the Dragon Commander, man. Like, <laughs> damn. Yeah, I like going three-drop Thunderbreak region into four-drop Stormbreath Dragon. What up? Yeah, dragons tend to be a little expensive, so... It lowers the cost. Like, all the dragons are like... like I, don't, I honestly don't know what other dragon you would play now. If you're going to play it, I mean, Ramos maybe, but we'll get to Ramos in a second. Actually, he's the next yeah. one, isn't he? Um, uh, and, oh, I'm also not done with the Ur Dragon because there's more text. Yeah, there, there's more text on it. <laughs> Whenever one or more dragons you control attack, draw that many cards, then you may put a permanent card from your hand onto the battlefield. So if Earth, you happen to cast the Ur Dragon for its nine mana, and then on the next turn you actually swing with it and what, however many dragons you have in your in your brood... Uh, you're drawing a ton of cards, and you can just put one on the battlefield for free. It's like pick your yeah, the best Earth dragon. Don't mess around. Pick your best card, free cat. Not cost, but just put it on the battlefield. I mean, you get your you get your nine mana's worth. Yeah, you definitely get your nine mana's worth of card. And remember, his, the uh, Earth dragon's cost reduction does not apply to itself. Yeah, someone asked me about that. And I'm like, no, it says other. Yeah, they thought they thought about that. <laughs> smart, very yep. smart. So the other new five color one, um, well, there's two. There's two new ones out, outside of the Ur Dragon. We're gonna talk about Ramos Dragon Engine first, uh, who is a six mana four four flying legendary artifact creature dragon. Because there's no more lines of text that you can put on this card. Um, there, uh, whenever you cast a spell, put a plus one plus one counter on Ramos for each of that spell's colors. No, so re- remember the dragon deck is a five color deck. It is. And then you can remove five plus one plus one counters from Ramos to add white, white, blue, blue, black, black, red, red, green, green to your mana pool. Activate this ability only once each turn. Remember, you can remove five counters and cast Sign of the Ur Dragon. Yeah, the first time. The second time you might need more. Well, the Scion. Not not only can you do that, you can cast Scion twice. You can cast Progenitus off of Ramos. Oh, right, because as soon as you cast your commander, you just put five more counters right back on it. <gasps> yeah, that's so good. Yeah, Ramos is really silly. Oh they my. did make it. They did make it um, unbreakable in the sense that you can't just make infinite mana, which is nice. That is um, so goofy. But yeah, Ramos is uh, probably one of the best like five color spells generals that's going to be out there. And it's colorless. Well, the commander's colorless. It doesn't care what mana you have in play. Well, it's I mean, a five color general for the purposes of like color identity. But yeah. You, I mean, don't, you, you don't, don't need to worry about what to mana wor- you have. You don't have to worry about stupid mana requirements. Like, you know, Progenitus. 
Like, seriously, Child of Alaric, get out of here. Ramos, get in. <laughs> well, Child's still really good, but anyways. No, but seriously, Ramos, get in. <laughs> Beside the point. <laughs> it's a good card. I love the design. And it's also cool we get to see one of the named dragon engines from way back in the day. Because it's coming back, man. Dominaria is coming back. Yeah, we yeah it is. It's so good. We'll, we'll get to more of the big flashbacks later. Speaking of flashbacks, uh, the last new dragon... Okagachi, Vengeful Kami, is a legendary dragon spirit. It's a 6-6 flying trample for one and the full Wooburg. So six mana total. Five if you're you're playing Ur-Dragon. And whenever Okagachi, Vengeful Kami, deals combat damage to a player, if that player attacked you during his or her last turn, exile target non-land permanent that player controls. This card is so great for politics. It's like, oh, don't attack me or I will get rid of your best thing. Mm Mm-hmm. It's also super flavorful because Okagachi is the king of the kami from Champions of Kamigawa. Uh, as the flavor text says, at his behest, the kami war began to regain that which was taken. Flavor. When flavor meets function. Also, you can't beat a 6-6 six, six flample for 6 with relevant really, additional abilities. It's a really, darn good card. <laughs> you really can't. Also, this was previewed by Adam Staborski, who mentioned that this is also the first five-color legendary spirit. So you can also play five-color spirits with Okagachi. Heck Um, yeah. Yeah, buddy. That tribal, though. Yeah, exactly. Next up, we have uh, Tygum, who is a people who, or a card people are like, we want to see Tygum, we want to see Tygum. So Wizards is like, okay, here's Tygum. Tygum Ojutai Master is two white-blue for a legendary creature human monk. He is a 3-4. Instant and sorcery and dragon spells you control can't be countered by spells or abilities. And whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell from your hand, if Tygum Ojutai Master attacked this turn, that spell gains rebound. Such. All right, so there's another Tygum card we're going to talk about later. So we only ever see Tygum mentioned in two cards Tygum Scheming and Tygum's. Uh... Strike? Strike. I the name yeah, of the card. Tygum Strike. Tygum Strike has rebound. Tygum Scheming deals. We'll mention it later, but it also deals with what the other Tygum does. So it's. Very relevant abilities based off of the other cards we've seen Tygum doing. So it's like, oh, okay, so now it makes sense. That's why Tygum's hunt strike is has rebound because that's what he can do. He has rebound. Yep. Uh, it's also great because Tygum is a character from Tarkir, which has had the cons past and the or the cons present and the dragons present, one of which doesn't exist anymore. And it's nice that we get to see kind of both halves of the coin. Uh, we get to see the Tygum who stays up in the mountains with the Ojutai, and we see the Tygum that decides to go and seek true power with the Sultai. Oh, yeah. So it's kind of really cool is that we also we can see that Wizards is not going to stick to just a single timeline. It's like, as we've seen with previous Commander sets, you know, we had Teferi who is gone at this point. We don't know where Teferi is. I'm, he I never said he was. I never said he was dead. I said he was gone. Yeah. There's a we difference just don't between, know where he is. There's a difference between dead and gone. True. He's gone. But he's in the past in terms of our story where we're at now. So we're yep. getting like, now we're getting alternate timeline printed cards, which is cool. Yeah. Like in products like this, they can do stuff like, oh, by the way, we know this timeline doesn't technically exist, but, you know, here's, you know, the it's, old timeline Tygum or whatever. Yeah, it's cool that they can do this with their sets and they're showing that, hey, we are going to do this with the sets, which I think is great, honestly. Yeah. Now, they previewed a bunch of other dragons, um, and one of the probably better reprints for the dragon deck in Scourge of Valkus, which is, you know, great. 
Uh, but this dragon got a lot of people talking, which is Scale Lord Reckoner. Ian, what does Scale Lord Reckoner do? You mean Master Chief? Yes, it is. <laughs> you have to look at the art. It, it does look like it's Master Chief with, like, arms or whatever. But... Master Chief from Halo for those who didn't play video games. <laughs> so, this is a three white-white, four-four creature dragon with flying. Whenever a dragon you control becomes the target of a spell or ability an opponent controls, destroy target non-land permanent that player controls. So it's like Thunderbreak Regent on steroids. It's karmic justice for dragons. Yeah. It's so good. It's, it's, like, it's like, oh, you're going to target my stuff? Guess what? You lose stuff, too. It's like, I would strongly incentivize you not to target my things, please. So as the flavor text reads, the justice of dragons demands more than just an eye for an eye. I mean, also, dragon eyes are large, you know? They're, like, kind of big. Yeah. But no, seriously, like this I'm, is, like, this is a hilarious card to play in any white deck. Yeah. Like, even Just if you're only playing... Like, even something. If, yeah, if you're only playing one or two dragons, you'd be like, all right, I have a 4-4 flyer that if you do it, if you target me, you lose something. Honestly, yeah. I, would, I would honestly play this in any white deck. Yeah. If you, need, if, it, you need a, if you need a flyer. Yeah, it trades with a lot of things, which is useful, so... Yeah, 4-4 four, four body for 5 with relevant abilities to kind of yeah. wreak some havoc politics-wise is fine, I would assume, in Commander, right? I don't play a whole yeah. lot. It's, it's pretty good. Uh, moving on, uh, we have a cycle. We have two cycles, actually. Well, there's a few. There's more than two cycles, but one of the cycles we're going to talk about is the cycle of curses that was previewed yesterday. Uh, they, are, they are the Curse of Vitality, the Curse of Verbosity, the Curse of Disturbance, the Curse of Opulence, and the Curse of Bounty. One in each color. They are curses that enchant a player, and they all do a thing when the enchanted player is attacked. Uh, basically, this guy, who's the same person descript- depicted on all of them, is having a really bad week. <laughs> yeah, he is. So Curse of Vitality, the white one, is two and a white, enchantment or a curse, enchant, enchant player, uh, as all curses do. We'll just skip that one for the next four. So whenever enchanted player is attacked, you gain two life. Each attacking player that each opponent attacking player that that player does the same. Each opponent attacking that player does the same. Wow, I can English. Uh, no, it's these, basic- these words are very weirdly templated. Yeah. So, ba- so basically, what it reads is the op- any anytime anybody attacks the opposed the player that this is cursed with, they gain two life, and that's not and individual. you gain two life. Yeah. So let's say we're in a three player game. It's you, me, and let's say Surge. And, Sur- and I give Surge the Curse of Vitality, and you attack Surge, you gain two life, and I gain two life. Oh, wait, you gain life as well? Yes. Oh, my God, these curses are better than I thought they were. Yeah, they're much better. Than- yeah, yeah, they are great. Oh, buddy. You, you always get the benefit, and then whoever is attacking them also gets the benefit. Huh. So, like, Curse of Verbosity, two and a blue, enchant player. Whenever the enchanted player is attacked, draw a card. Each opponent attacking that player does the same. So if I, let's say in that situation, you know, it's you, me, and Surge, and I give Surge the Curse of Verbosity. I attack Surge, I draw a card. You attack Surge, I draw a card, and you draw a card. So good. Yeah. Yeah, all of these work in that way. Basically, they give the player who controls the curse something and whoever attacked that person some, the same something. And it's, it's like, okay, this guy's being annoying. We're going to curse him and incentivize players to attack. Exactly. So Curse of Disturbance is two and a black enchant player. Whenever enchanted player is attacked, create a 2-2 black zombie creature token. Hello, zombie tribal. Yeah. Uh, each opponent attacking that player does the same. So if you are a black zombie deck or a deck that cares about zombies, say like a Sidisi deck, have fun. Yeah. Curse of Opulence is a single red mana. 
Uh, whenever the enchanted player is attacked, create a colorless artifact token named Gold. It has, sack this artifact, add one mana of any color to your mana pool, and each opponent attacking that player does the same. Gold is back, baby. Yeah, gold's as, great. Gold's as, an awesome token. As previously seen on Guild and King Makar the Gold Cursed. Yep. And Free the last one is mana. Curse of Bounty. Ian, what does it do? So it's one green enchantment uh, or a curse. Whenever enchanted player is attacked, untap all non-land permanents you control. Each opponent attacking that player untaps all non-land permanents he or she controls. So it's pseudo-vigilance. Yep, it's good. Which is weird for green, I think, because usually that kind of thing... Well, they well, have Seedborn Muse. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Usually it's a... I think it's like primary white, secondary green for that kind of thing. Well, blue and white do a lot of untapping shenanigans. Uh, oh, green doesn't oh. get like, untap this guy. Green gets untap all my guys. Oh, well, I, no. Well, um... Uh, what's the Initiate's Companion? Yeah. From Amonkhet. When it yep. does combat damage, untap target non-land permanent, or tar- target permanent you control. Well, so, I think it's creature or land, but that's not the point. Oh, creature or land. Well, yeah, you're not going to untap a planeswalker. Not the point. <laughs> Either way, green does get it, so I'm wrong. I stand corrected. It's fine. As soon, as I, as, soon as, as soon as I said it, I was like, all right, there's like 3-1 cat in the set that just does that already. Yep. Whoopsie. But the curses are great. I think I'm going to play a bunch of them in some of my decks. Um, I have some plans. I rub hands together maniacally. What's great about the curse cycle, though, is you don't need a real particular theme. It's just more of one of those, like, I decide if you want to be the political player and be like, I have this card, you guys. I, who do you want it on? Who, who do you mm-hmm. want to pick on to get some stuff out of? Basically, just egg them on and, like, hit the pinata, let stuff loot fall out. There's also the second it's cycle like- of curses from in a commander product. The other ones were in the Oloro decks. Or in that cycle of decks, there was the one that put it was Curse of Predation, which puts counters on your dudes. Curse of Inertia which lets you tap or untap something, and then there's a bunch of others. But I enjoy this; they're cool. Yeah. Next up, we have Edgar Markov for the Vampire deck. Good old Daddy Markov. Finally, yeah. This is Soren's dad, by the way. For those who obviously might not have picked up on it, so he is three in a Mardu. That's right. We got Mardu vampires, kids. Uh, so Mardu are three. So it's three. Red, white, black for a 4-4 legendary creature vampire knight with eminence. It says, whenever you cast another vampire spell, if Edgar Markov is in the command zone or on the battlefield, create a 1-1 black vampire creature token. He also has first strike. He has haste. And whenever Edgar Markov attacks, put a plus one plus one counter on each vampire you control. So on turn six, ouch. Yeah. Many so Edgar ouch. by himself basically is a 5-5 first strike haste. And, you know, you cast all your other vampires and you make more vampires. Also, I hear a kind of strictly better Drana ability. <laughs> hmm Because Drana, remember, needed to hit somebody with combat damage before you could put counters on all your creatures if you're in a vampire deck. You just need, it was to, also, sw- you just need to turn Edgar sideways and he boosts all your vampires. It was also the vampire mechanic from the original Innistrad where it's like, I hit a player, I put a counter on myself. Where Edgar is just like, here... Get big friends. Drink up, boys. It's also great because Edgar Markov, obviously from Innistrad, and by the way, amazing Vulcan Vaga art, just, you know, putting that out there. Uh, all the vampires on Innistrad are black or red, but Edgar being kind of the vampire progenitor also has white in him, which kind of is like, you know, symbolizes, you know, bringing together of the vampire communities. 
Well, yeah, and also kind of maybe he was white aligned before he became a vampire somehow. Maybe. Who knows? Either way. He, he literally made a deal with the demon, so. You never, you know. Anyway. You never know. Edgar You think is, you know someone. You think you know someone, and then. Well, remember, <laughs> also, Soren went white black as well, so that kind of ties in nicely with Soren. Yes. Just saying. So, but no. So the vampire creature token, like, whenever you cast another vampire, is stupidly good. I yeah, it just tacks on an extra 1-1 one, one to basically all your vampires. I mean, spreading that body, spreading that power and toughness across multiple bodies, always good. Plus, if you're able to get a bunch of those t- tokens out and nobody handles them until Edgar hits the board, then they're 2-2s. Two mm-hmm. And then they get more swole. Yep. And speaking of legendary vampires, this is one that um, I'm really excited to play with. It's Licia, I think, is the best pronunciation of her name. Sanguine Tribune. She is five red, white, black for a vampire soldier, a 4-4 first strike lifelinking soldier. Uh, She costs one less to cast for each one life you gained this turn. So the earliest you can cast her, I have figured figured out, is you cast, there's a one white spell that gains five life, and then you cast Alicia for four. And then Mardu, you could theoretically cast her on turn three, because, you know, hilarity. Yeah, right. Or you you just get some vampire nighthawks down and... Go to town. Exactly. Just get a bunch of life. And you're going to be getting a bunch of life, so you need something to do with it. So you can pay five life to put three counters on Lysia to make her a 7-7. But you can only activate this ability on your turn and only once each turn. So you basically pay five life, put the counters on, swing, gain seven life. Next turn, pay five life, put three more counters on. Yep. It just gets... She gets swole quick. <laughs> gets out of control real fast. Also, potentially Roman plane. Yeah, right? Like, it's one of the things people comment. It's like, this doesn't seem Innistradian. Like, it's not Theron either. It's not, not from Theros. And Tribune is a very Roman word. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's just like, mm-hmm. huh. Interesting. Interesting. Because I know they had, like, kind of thrown Rome around a little tiny bit. Yeah. With some I'm things. sure it's, it's, it's on the short list. Either way, I mean, could be Pagliano. It could be Paliano. That's actually true. Yeah, Paliano is more like Italy, not well. Rome. That's fair. <laughs> remember, Pagliano, I know geography. Paliano kids. Remember is um, a conspiracy set. So yes, it, the it conspiracy does, plane. To be fair, it's kind of conspiracy-ish, but at the same time, we've never really seen the feathered hat like she's got. Also, it's Magali Villeneuve art, which is just amazing. Yeah, like always. So. Uh, the third uh, new vampire, who is Mardu colored, that we're going to have at the head of the deck, is Mathis Fiend Seeker. Ian, what does he do? So he was actually my like kind of backup to card of the day for the vampire day, but he's a Mardu, so he's just red, white, black for a three, three. So you're getting three, three for three with menace. So three, three evasion for three. Great on the vanilla test right there, or French vanilla, whatever you call it. Legendary creature vampire, just no additional subtypes, which is weird honestly, but at the beginning of your end step, put a bounty counter on target creature and opponent controls. For as long as that creature has a bounty counter on it, it has, when this creature dies, each opponent draws a card and gains two life. That puts bounties on things. It, it can be bounty hunter or something like that. I'm trying to think of what other kind of, like... I mean, bounty hunter does literally put bounty counters on things. Very true. But I don't think that they'll gain the ability because his ability is tied to himself. But oh, I'm trying, I'm, no, I'm trying, to, interesting. I'm trying to think what other set legendary like or sub creature subtype you could have, like rogue hunter. Yeah, 
Hunter? I don't know. Is there a hunter? Um, they might. I don't know what. There might be a hunter. I'm just saying this. I may be swinging with him once on turn four, and then for the rest of the game, he's just sitting there. He's also a very political card. There's a lot of really good political cards in the set. Oh, they they definitely, definitely ramped up the political machination game, which we'll talk about with another card in a second or two. But I like him. He's really good. He seems a lot of fun. I'm going to... I'm going to have a hard time building, you know, decks for Edgar, Licia, and Mathis. Because I love me some Mardu. I know. You you own that Mardu life. So I really do. Disrupt Decorum. It's our next one we're going to talk about. Oh, man. This card's so good. Two red, red sorcery. Goad all creatures you don't control. Goad's back. And that, remember, the reminder text it has is, until your next turn, those creatures attack each combat if able and attack a player other than you if able. So basically just go two red, red. Everybody's attacking everybody else but me. Got him. Yeah. Don't cast this in one-on-one. Don't, don't, don't do that. And the flavor text is dinner and politics. Don't miss. This card's so good. It's, it's just hilariously good. It's and basically it's, the red wrath of God. It's basically what it is. It's, it's just not, what it is. It's not overpowered, but it's just strong in a way that it's like, you can literally just, because you, your opponents are going to be sitting back trying to develop a board and you're like, no. No, just you're not developing a board. You're you're attacking your stuff. Like I want to your, see action. It's like, it's like, are you not entertained? Yeah, uh, hit him. He said you're a jerk. <laughs> yep, basically. <laughs> no, Disrupt Decorum's awesome. Almost as awesome as this next card, which is kind of hinting at a cycle, potentially, which is Blood Sworn Steward, which is two red red for a 4-4 vampire knight with flying. That says commander creatures you control get plus two plus two and have haste. Very reminiscent of Bastion Protector from the last commander product, which gave commander creatures you control plus two plus two and indestructible. I like it. It's just a solid card. Solid stats. Four, four, flyer for four is playable wherever. And boosting your commander, which is obviously a thing you're going to want to do when you're playing commander. And haste. Really good. Especially if you have haste is very relevant. Especially if you have flyers. Oh, yeah. If, you're, if your commander's a flyer, just giving it plus two, plus two haste, ow, because most flying commanders are going to be like baseline stats 4-4. Four, four. Yeah. Blood Sworn Steward, I think, goes in almost every red deck that I'll, I'll ever conceive of in commander that wants to cast its commander and attack with it. Like, yeah. it's just that good. Kalia. It's so good. Oh, no. Mm, mm, get that out of here. <laughs> hey, man, I, I went there. I have standards. I went there. So, this moving was, on. This one's my pick for uh, vampire day card of the day new blood two black black sorcery as an additional cost to cast new blood tap an untapped vampire creature you control now remember if you're playing mark Edgar, you're probably going to be getting stuff anyway so just tap a token whoopsie freaking do but you gain control of target creature that's right you're getting control magic but that's not all change the text of that creature by replacing all instances of one creature type with vampire Yes, that also applies to their text box. Um, Sliver Overlord uh, has the ability that you, you can pay three mana and gain control target Sliver, or you can pay three mana to search your library for a Sliver and put it into your hand. Um, New Blood plus Sliver Overlord is kind of silly. Means you can tutor for any vampire in your deck in a vampire deck. Also, something like Cranko just starts oh. <laughs> spitting out, you know. Ugh, yeah, it's, it's, it's good. New Blood Lord of Atlantis. Um... <laughs> oh my god. Oh no. Oh no. Island Walk and everything gets... Oh, honey. Oh, why? Uh, yeah, Lord of Atlantis. Um, 
uh, Elvish Champion, give your elves, for, give your vampires Forest Walk. Um, yeah, my dude, it's kind of silly. Yeah, but anyway, uh, amazing Howard Lion art, by the way. Mm-hmm. Olivia Valderin in the art, it's just so good. That's why I like yeah. it. Top bottom card is amazing, well designed. It's not super overcosted. Remember, Control Magic is an enchantment aura. This is just a straight up gimme. So mm-hmm. even if like control, control Magic, you can you know get rid of the or the aura and you know it goes back to its owner this is just like nope mine now because it's, it's really like because it's like your vampire had to exert itself to bite the guy and make it a vampire yeah it's cool yeah it's flavor uh, speaking of cards that broke the internet um <laughs> teferi's protection has a <laughs> word on it or a phrase on it that no one expected to see 20 years since this mechanics printing it is two and a white for an instant until your next turn, your life total can't change, and you have protection from everything. Cool. All permanents you control phase out. Phasing's back. Also exile to various protection as a resolve, so you can't do this shenanigans over and over again. Phasing is not back. Phasing is just here. Like, they're not bringing phasing back. It's an eight. Dude, it's just... No, I'm saying it's back as in, like, we have a card with it printed on it again. And I'm going to have so many headaches because of this card. So many. Yeah, so John, what is phasing? Judge. So phasing is a state of a card, much like tapped or untapped or face up or face down. Um, phased in permanents are able to be interacted with and phased out permanents aren't. That's basically what it is. Yeah, it's like so, just, just ignore it exists for a little basically. while. Basically, um, and, then, uh, and then before your untap step, they phase back in. Now, what's interesting is you might be thinking, but what about tokens? It used to be that the tokens exploded, um, but now the tokens will leave, will be phased out, and then they'll be brought back in. So tokens are fine. Yes, as of August 25th, when Commander's released, uh, Rules Manager Matt Tabak tweeted the other day saying they are changing the rules so that tokens will no longer go poof when they're phased. Yeah. So unlike, remember, phasing is not exiling. Exiling a token gets rid of it. Blinking a token. It's kind of like... Blinking a token, there. blinking a token gets rid of it. Phasing is not blinking. Yeah, it's just kind of weird. Um, and now, yeah, yeah. Phase, so phasing is kind of back. But yeah, moving on to the Grixis Wizards, Inala Archmage Ritualist. And what does Inala do? Inala is two with a Grixis, so blue, black, red for a four-five legendary creature, human wizard, with eminence that says whenever another non-token wizard enters the battlefield under your control, if she is in the command zone or the battlefield. You may pay one uh, generic mana. Yeah, what? one generic. Yep. If you do, create a token that's a copy of that wizard. That token gains haste. Exiled at the beginning of your next end step. Don't do not do this with the legendary wizard, guys. Just don't. Just... I mean, you you can. We, we don't recommend it. I mean, unless it has an ETB effect, and then you pick the one that was the token. You can get rid of it, get the double ETB yeah, effect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you want to do yeah, it that that's way, fine. fine. Anyway, she also reads tap. This is when she's in play. Tap five, untap wizards you control. Target player loses seven life. John, judge. Yeah. Is the target player losing seven life commander damage? No. Okay. It, commander damage is only uh, combat damage. I, I, dude, I, you know. I know you know. Happen. I'm explaining it to the to the viewers because I had the thought when I first got into commander about Zozu the Punisher dealing two damage whenever anyone played a land, and thinking that might have been commander damage. It's not. It wasn't. No, but Inala is really sweet. Uh, Definitely benefits you from trying to have as many wizards as possible so that you can pull off the, you know, tap five wizards, dummy for seven. Tap five wizards, dummy for seven. 
She she's the worst wizard commander in the deck. <laughs> yeah, kind of, I guess. <laughs> so let's go ahead and talk about uh, the next Dude, one. Even more chase of the black rose is better. I don't know. That's debatable. Fight me. So, but but let's talk about Marisil, <laughs> who is Marisil the Pretender, who's a villain from old old magic, um, who in the story kidnapped his like his teacher and tortured him and it was weird but marisol the pretender is one blue black red for a 4-4 human wizard he's legendary uh when marisol the pretender enters the battlefield you may exile an artifact or creature card from your hand or graveyard and put a cage counter on it okay uh, marisol the pretender has all activated abilities of all cards you own in exile with cage counters on them you may activate each of those abilities only once each turn so basically, Marisol, you want to is a legendary necrotic ooze that is very, very hard to break, considering you only do the abilities once each turn. And Marisol only gets better the longer the game goes on, because you'll have more and more cards in cages. Yeah, it it's pretty ridiculous and it's awesome. So, for example, Etherling is a card you could put under Marisol. Gilded Lotus, Soul Ring, um. It's Marisol's really good. So you remember how we mentioned Dominaria's coming back? Yeah, Dominaria, right here. Yeah. To be fair, Marisol also doesn't exist right now because I read the story of in Chaz Andres in his article, which we which uh, we retweeted, and uh, you know he's kind of turned into a spirit, and then he got uh, ejected from uh, Jaya Ballard's mind when she became a planeswalker. Yeah. So. He put himself into a magical, put his essence into a ring, who then... Don't worry about it. No, no, no. Who then <laughs> got found by a guy named Lim Duel. You might recognize worry him about from it. a bunch of Ice Age things, who then became service of this weird evil planeswalker named Leshrac. Don't worry about it. Thank you. And then, you know, he got... Lim Duel got defeated, and then eventually Jaya Ballard sent, like, you know, sent it with the spark, broke the ring... Wiped him out. Marisol's gone. Yeah, don't worry about it. Magic's weird. But his essence survived for about 2,000 years in a ring. Yeah, apparently. That said, which is the cage arguably, thing kinda, Which the cage thing is kind of cool, because it's kind of like that, where it's like... Oh, the, the flavor is super on point. It's off the charts, man. They it really is. killed it with some of these cards. But arguably the best one of these three, I don't think it's close that this is the best one. There's some powerful Grixis commanders out there. Uh, of the, I meant of these three. Well, no, but I'm just saying, like, yeah, yeah. In general, this, this could just be the best Grixis commander too. She's up there. Like, cast dissident mage makes an argument for one of the best Grixis commanders around. She's one, blue, red, white, or blue, red, white, blue, red, blue, red, black. Oh. Uh, she's a three-four flying legendary creature, human wizard. <laughs> so a four mana three-four flyer, already decent. During each of your turns. You may cast an instant or sorcery from your graveyard. If a card cast this way will be put into your graveyard this turn, exile it instead. Repeatable Snapcaster Mage. Done. She is the, be- the best Snapcaster Mage. <laughs> Every turn. She is the Spells Carador. Carador being one of the Absent Generals that lets you cast creatures once per turn uh, from your graveyard. Kes uh, does that for instants and sorceries, and obviously, you know, these go into exile after they resolve, but. Kess is really good. Dude, like, if I'm thinking of any kind of deck that wants to have, like, a Spells Matter theme, I'm thinking Grixis. 
Yes, absolutely. And this just, like, can jam the best card draw spells of all time. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. The best kill spells of all time. The best burn spells of all time. And you get them twice. Yeah. Every turn. She's really good. Remember, kids. Remember, you can go bolt, bolt the same Mm -hmm. turn. It doesn't care, like, it had to be there before the turn. You just get it once a turn. Mm Mm-hmm. It's It's really good. So good. Yep. Um, Let's talk about the second Tygum. Tygum Sidisi's Hand, who is three blue-black for a human wizard. He's a 3-4. Skip your draw step, which is usually an interesting phrase to see on a card. Uh, At the beginning of your upkeep, look at the top three cards of your library. Put one of them into your hand and the rest into your graveyard. Um, And then you can pay black, tap, and exile X cards from your graveyard to give target creature minus X, minus X until end of turn. Remember, Tygam Scheming was the other card we saw from Kanzatark here that basically put the top five cards. Look at the top five cards, put one in your hand, the rest in your library. Not, not even hand. Put one on top. Or, or put on any top. number on top. Oh, yeah. Any number on top. Right. You can set up your next draws. This yeah. is kind of like a weird tweaked version of it. I like it. He basically strategic plannings every upkeep. Yeah. Which slightly, is fine. Slightly lesser forbidden alchemy. Yeah. Tygam's interesting. I don't know if he's good. But he's interesting. He's definitely something like, honestly, if I'm playing this wizard deck and I'm tweaking it, he's one of the first, like, I just think he's one of the first cards out. Yeah, he might be. And I'm kind of leaning that way too. But we have two Tygum cards, which is twice as many as we thought we would get. So, I mean, to be fair, blue, black mill, blue, black mill, self mill even next card. Because then you can just use, you know, exile cards to start picking off stuff. But it's kind of weird. Yeah, Tygum's weird. He's someone's gonna break him. I don't know let, who. I will let greater commander minds have fun with that one. Yeah. I'm not huge in the format yet, but who knows? Next card is um, continuing the Magus cycle because we had Magus of the Wheel, then we had Magus of the Will, and now we have Magus of the Mind. Four blue, blue for a four-five human wizard, just a regular creature. You can pay blue, tap, and sacrifice him. To shuffle your library, then exile the top X cards, where X is one plus the number of spells you've cast this turn. No, 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 turn, no. You may... Number of spells cast. Not you, just in general. <laughs> yes, because uh, also until end of turn, you may play spells exiled this way without paying their mana cost, or play cards exiled this way, excuse me. Uh, because Magus of the Mind is Mind's Desire, which is the best storm payoff. It's It's such a good... It's the card you want in any storm cube deck it's just so good you gotta wait but no but i, but I was saying number of spells cast this turn because remember storm doesn't care about who cast the spell nope it's why quicken is great in the storm mirror match oh yeah don't worry about quicken it's don't worry about it magus of the mind is great um he's probably going to be put in the vintage cube as a second copy of mind's desire and he's probably going to be played in commander for all time oh yeah any blue deck is going to want magus of the mind well blue deck that likes casting spells yeah exactly and the last card we're going to talk about because we could literally be here for another hour if we wanted to talk about all the all the cards vindictive lich as previewed by brian david marshall is three and a black for a four one zombie wizard when it dies choose one or more each mode must target a different player target opponent sacks a creature target opponent discards two cards or Target opponent loses five life. It's a modal card on a dude. I love it. Which is great. Oh, yeah. It's so cool. Like, <laughs> it's 
it's a great way to like selectively punish. You could play politics with it, or you could just be, as the card says, vindictive. Yep. You you're can like, make, like, hey, you can... you've got two cards in hand. You get rid of those. You've got like one or two creatures. Sack one of them. You, your low life title, you lose five life. What up? Mm-hmm. Also, in in one on one play, vindictive lich is basically you know a modal card of when this dies, do one of the following, which yeah. is hilarious. Yeah, so remember, don't pick more than one mode if it's one-on-one, because then you'll have to Well, you to can't. It's just, they all say target opponent. Oh, yeah, true. Yeah. Um, the well, funny thing about Vindictive Lich is that he dies to Skull Clamp, which is probably the best phrase you'll hear out of him. <laughs> oh, my God. I didn't even realize he died to Skull Clamp. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty Yeah. Yeah, Vindictive Lich, uh, he wants to, he doesn't want to stick around very long. He's also a zombie and a wizard, and zombies is another very relevant tribe. And yeah, Vindictive Lich is going to do some crazy things. Yeah, it's going to be a good card. Um, yeah, so that's kind of it for the I cards mean, we want to talk about, but I like it. Um, yeah. I have to say, so far, I am actually very intrigued by yeah. this. So we didn't, there are some colors that are getting underrepresented, blue and green, mm-hmm. namely, in this, but... I think that they, because every other color gets three representations in three of the decks, while green and blue only get two, the cats and the wizards deck. Yeah, Plus, it's a... No, 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 but I'm saying, like, it's, I feel like, despite not having kind of, I guess you can call it color symmetry, like the last ones where, you know, it was like, everyone's a shard, or everyone's a wedge, or everyone's four color, everyone's monocolor, like, despite that, and just having, like, Mardu, Grixis, five color, two color, like, going three, three, five, two... They're very well balanced, I think, in terms of like what it looks like each deck wants to do. Oh yeah, I think that these decks are going to play very well with one another, uh, and I think the new cards, which again we didn't talk about all of them, we we'd be here another hour if we wanted to talk about all of them. I think they all do exactly what you want them to do, and I think that they're going to probably shake up a bunch of things in like in everyone's local commander meta. And we didn't even get to talking about like the reprints, like Lean and Arbiter is coming back. Yeah, Crux of Fate. Scourge of Valkus. Wait, wait, uh, hold Scion. on, pardon. Crux of Fate's back? Yes. My, hell yeah. <laughs> yep, it's in the black deck. Or the, got, not the black well, deck, it's Dragon's in the deck. Dragon's deck. Because, I mean, yes. obviously, I know it's mode I'm picking on that card. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not very hard to, it's not, it's not hard to guess. So. Oh, we didn't even talk about, is it Chemister? Oh, I know. We, we don't have time. <laughs> I know, it's just so good. We'll talk about yeah. some of these later, but still. Um, I kind of wanted to bring up a point, kind of just wrap things up, uh, sure. talking about the different kind of decks. I mentioned this to John in some DMs we were doing on Twitter earlier, and that I kind of I find it really cool with this set in that there's two decks that stand out to me in terms of stuff that kind of speaks to me as a Magic player from when I first started playing uh, back in like '98, and to the player I've become now in 2017. Uh, back when I first started playing my main deck that I played, I had the um, Crusher precon deck from Urza's. Uh, wow, Urza's Legacy. Yeah, Urza's Legacy. And it was a green-white stompy deck. And that was my jam back in the day. Like, I just love jamming, like, a one of Multani Marrow in there and, and a couple other crazy little cards and just making it a stompy deck to, just, you know, cast big things and whatever. But over time, I've, it's been reflected in a lot of my decks lately, Grixis has been my jam. Uh, casting things, killing things, and burning things out is freaking cool. And this wizard's deck especially casts just like speaks to what I want to be doing with the game. And I find it crazy cool that I can like hit both sides of my like my magic playing me 
with two of the decks. And I, I really want to give a major props to everybody on the design team for this because I, it's it's awesome, and I yeah. definitely want all the decks. <laughs> so let's say you can only get one. Which one are you getting? Wizards. Wizards. It's right, and, I, and I say and I say that really quickly, but it's actually a really tight race between Wizards and the Cat deck. Yeah. Um, like Wizard, the Wizards deck kind of squeaks it out just because I just that's my current jam in terms of what mm-hmm. I like to do. But I, I have thought about this already. That's why I answer so quickly. But yeah, the Cats deck is just looks so so much fun. Like I, I my current deck that I use for EDH is the Mono White Equipments deck, which is the precon. And the cat's deck looks like it's just a tweak and tuning and tribalization of that deck. It turns it from basically soldiers and angels and equipment to just kitties and equipment, which yep. kind of and expands it to green, which gives you more options for things, which I like. It's good. So I know John, you slam the Mardu Vampire deck. Yep, because I I already have uh, a bunch of brews for Lysia and Mathis. Nice. So yeah. So, so but yeah, I think the three color decks are what you and I look to be doing with this. Yep. I mean, I'm, there's definitely some cards that I'm looking at for singles, like for cube or for, you know, other commander decks. Like, I th- like I said, I think Disruptacorum is going in, like, every single red deck that I have, um, just because it's hilarious. But Oh, yeah. And the crazy part is we didn't even talk about one of the best cards in the set, honestly. Is it Soul Ring? No, dude, it's Path of Ancestry, <laughs> the land. Yeah, Path of Ancestry is also good. Yep. Oh, it's so good. But, yep. yeah, I w- I'm definitely considering just buying all four of them and... Because I regret, I didn't buy a single one of the 2016 decks, and I regret it. Because every other every other year, like so the last like couple years, for the mono color, the three colors, and the two color ones, I basically bought all the, the the decks, and I didn't buy the ones last year, and I regret it. So I think I'm just going to buy all four. All right, increase that card base. So, yeah, cards. Anyways, that's going to do it for us, um, because I want to make sure that we get this out on time so that we can. So y'all can listen to it on time on Friday. It's day late, but not a dollar short. Ian, if people wanted to find you on the social medias, where can they do so? You guys can find me on Twitter at DixonIJ. That's D-I-X-O-N-I-J. Or you can find me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Dix. Uh, if you guys are listening to this in the morning, tune in in the afternoon because I'm probably streaming on Friday afternoon. Um, that said, I do want to say that I might not be around for the next month and a half. Uh, Army training being what it is. I will be away possibly next week, might be my last week, for a while. Um, John already knows, so this is no mm. surprise to him. But, yeah, so I might be taking a bit of a break through no fault of my own. It's just work calls. And I will be in training for basically the whole month of September. So at this point, probably be back at, when after, for the Ixalan launch. I'm actually missing pre-release. So, well, actually, well. so I'm going to miss uh, preview season for Ixalan. But... John's got some people kind of like in mind to film a spot on the show for that. So it'll be good. Yep. Bring Finny I back. I have plans. He's got plans, kids. John, where can they find you on social media? You guys can find me on Twitter at JYA129, and I'm on Twitch at the same handle. Don't hesitate to see me to say hi if you see me in any of the chat rooms. If you want to reach the podcast directly, you can do so at Eyes and the Mize on Twitter. And if you have any more personal questions, you can send us an email at eyesandthemize at gmail.com. As always, we are we are open to hearing your feedback and how we can make the podcast the best for you, our great listeners. Thank you all so much for listening, and we'll talk to you all next time. Bye.